Hey, uh, my name is Travis Hall. If you're new here, I'm one of the deacons, and um, I have the, the privilege of, of preaching God's word this morning. It's, it's such a privilege to be a part of this body and just an honor the opportunities I'm given to preach God's word. Um, it's something that I don't take lightly and um, don't take for granted, that's for sure. So uh, since it's kind of a, you know, we, we had the waiting room uh, a couple weeks ago. We're going to say this morning's the living room, and we're just going to be more comfortable, relaxed. Uh, hopefully we stay warm, but how many of you seen, have seen the movie? I've only seen the movie or read the book, uh, Lord of the Rings. Show of hands. Okay, so this reference will not get lost. Um, so it, in the movie, we have this character, Gandalf, and, and he, is, he puts on these wonderful fireworks shows. Uh, they're like nothing you've ever seen, and, and, and the hobbits love Gandalf's fireworks show, um, and, and let's look at real quick at how uh, Tolkien introduced Gandalf. That was Gandalf's mark, of course. And the old man was Gandalf the wizard, whose fame in the Shire was due mainly to his skills with fires, smokes, and lights. His real business was far more dis- difficult and dangerous, but the Shire folk knew nothing about it. To them, he was just one of the attractions at the party. See, the thing is, 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 is that the hobbits would have been completely content with, with, with Gandalf the firework master. What they didn't know, what they really needed, was, was Gandalf the great wizard. And, 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 the, and the Shire could get by without fireworks, but the Shire itself would not survive if that was all that Gandalf put his power towards. And, and some of you are like, where's he going with this illustration? Why is, why is he referencing Lord of the Rings, and um, because there is a very similar theme in this morning's text between Gandalf and Jesus. We're we're going to see Jesus performing some incredible works this morning in these three stories, Uh, and we're going to see these crowds just clamoring for more and more, but in the middle of it, we're going to see the true power and purpose of Jesus. So so I want to look at this morning as as we look at the te- this text this morning, I want to look at three reasons that Jesus came. And, and I want those reasons more than anything to help us frame our view of Jesus, but I want them to set our priorities right as we come to worship Jesus. So if you will please stand with me. We're in Mark 1. We're going to start in verse 29, and we're going to read through verse 45. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, 
for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to be together as your people, for this opportunity to worship. And Lord, I pray this morning that your words would be speaking through me, that I would just get out of the way. And Lord, I pray that we would, we would see the character of, of Jesus, that we would see the true Jesus of the Bible, a loving Savior who came to die for our sins. Lord, we give you this morning, and it's in your name we pray, amen. You guys can, can take a seat. So like I said, this morning, we're going to see three reasons why Jesus came. And we're going to see them as three separate stories which Mark wishes for us to know. Our first story is going to be in verses 29 through 33. And now, before I introduce you the first purpose, I want to point out that I am addressing these purposes chronologically as Mark has addressed them. So order of appearance, not in an order of importance. And we're going to let, we're going to let Jesus set the order of importance, and we're going to see that purpose in number two. So purpose number one is this. Jesus came to heal. Jesus came to heal. Now, I love this, the progression of this text from last week. Um, so, so last week in Mark 1, verses 14 through 15, Jesus begins his ministry Immediately after he begins his ministry, in Mark 16 through 20, he calls his first disciples, of whom is Peter. By the way, when it says Simon, we're talking about Peter. Um, for some of you that might be a little confused, maybe you're new to the Bible. Um, so, so I think Peter had a vague awareness of who Jesus is, and at best, obeys Jesus' command to follow him. Um, so that they immediately enter a synagogue where, where Jesus casts out demons, and the whole crowd is filled with this, this awe. Then the only trans- transition we get from that, from that story in the synagogue to this story is this, verse 29. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. So, so do you see what happens here? So, so, so Peter is called, Peter witnesses a miracle, and then, and then Peter brings Jesus to his sick mother-in-law. And, and you're like, well, why does he do that? Because Jesus, is, I'm sorry, because Peter is beginning to understand the uniqueness of Jesus. Peter recognizes that Jesus has 
power and authority which has never been seen before. It's never been seen. And, and so immediately, and, and we're going to see that word immediately a lot. Once, once Pastor Nate pointed it out to me, I cannot unsee the word immediately. But it's good because there's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of urgency in this entire book. It's like, it's like Mark, Mark doesn't address the birth of Jesus. It's like he's rushing, rushing to get to the cross. So immediately, not after counsel, not after weighing the cost, not after deliberation, immediately he brings Jesus to his mother-in-law because he knows Jesus is able to heal. And, 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 and I don't think Peter yet has a perfect view of Christ, by the way. And Peter, by the way, as we're going to see through this gospel, is always getting in the way. We can understand Peter. We can relate to Peter. He's always acting almost as an obstacle to what Jesus is trying to accomplish. But at this point, Peter knows enough to know that this Jesus does God-like things. Peter, the disciples, and the mother-in-law are about to witness a God-like thing. So a, a few years ago, I had the flu pretty bad. It was like, Karen, I got engaged, and I got this terrible flu. It was the worst. And it, it was even worse because we had to go sit through a sales pitch to get a $200 gift card. But my wife, when there is free money on the table, God bless her, she's like, let's go. <laughs> and I love it. It's why we, she's the reason we're in a good financial situation. Because if I was in charge of that, we'd be broke. But anyways, um... <laughs> So I get antibiotics, and, and they, they restore me to health, but, but I don't jump off the couch and start making dinner because my body was still weak. And so, so I, was get, I, was, I wasn't getting the nourishment while I was sick. My body needed to recover. But look what happened at Peter's mother, with Peter's mother-in-law. He came and took her by the hand, lifted her up, and the fever left her. And she began to serve them. Jesus' healing is not like our healing. Jesus heals completely and restoratively. By the way, no weird incantations. No, hey, you buy this prayer stone, this prayer cloth, you're going to be healed. He just does it. It's why I get so sick of this, of, of, of this world that we live in with this goofiness that we try to peddle is Jesus' healing. Jesus just heals. There's no weirdness about it. So, so then the news gets out. And, and we don't know if, if the they in this passage, the disciples or the townspeople, but somehow news got out of Jesus' miracle. So let's pick it up in verse 32. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So that entire time, it, as, soon as, as soon as sundown hits, Jesus healed. And, and I kind of imagine, um, so back in elementary school, um, if you went to public school, it was, remember the lunch line? Um, I, I think of it that way, like they're in this single file line, no cutsies, just Jesus is healing them, sending them out, um, and it's 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 an amazing it's it's amazing to think about. They're gathered at the door 
There's a sense of urgency and a passionate desire for Jesus to heal them from their ailments. And, for, and, and Jesus graciously and patiently heals them. So we see here that he heals their physical sickness, but he also here healed spiritual sickness by casting out demons. And, and we see here in the text that Jesus commanded the demons not to speak. I want you to remember that and bear that in mind because we're going to come back to that in a, in a little bit. But, I, but, I, but I, what, what I want us to know here is this, is, is that Jesus heals, but also that Jesus is gaining an incredible amount of popularity right now in this text. So let's look at our next story, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went through all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Now, we, now what we just read here is extremely key to, this gospel, to Mark's gospel. Mark wants us to stress who Jesus is and why Jesus came and here, Mark is reporting an event in Jesus' life which clarifies his purpose here on earth. Purpose number two is this. Jesus came to preach. And I want to spend some time here this morning because I think this is hugely important to our text this morning, but it's just as important to our lives. I want us to pause because we see that Jesus pauses we don't brush over what Jesus himself refuses to brush over. In the middle of his rising popularity, in the middle of his most successful day of ministry, amidst a new buzz and a lot of people at his door, Jesus rises early in the morning and he went to a desolate place and there he prayed. Jesus prayed. Honestly, my purpose number two should be this. Jesus came to preach and to pray. You see, Jesus didn't pray on his way to work. He didn't pray before his meal. He didn't pray when he was just blanking. Jesus carves time out of his day before the sun rose. God in the flesh withdrew from distractions to fellowship with his father. Believers, brothers and sisters, do you see the weight of this? Do you see the importance of of this. In, in Christian circles, the word communion is often robbed of its meaning as a verb and plays as a noun when we celebrate communion at church. And I don't want to undermine communion that we do, but there is no better word for what Jesus is doing here than communing with God the Father. He is actively engaging in real, impactful communion with God. If Jesus, the Son of God, God himself recognizes the, the, the need to commune with the Father, how much more should we? And, and, I, and I don't, I don't want to get legalistic about it. I don't want you guys leaving here this morning going, 
man, I really need to pray. I really need to get my Bible. So Jesus could not accomplish what he set out to do without the ministry of God. And we can't either. It is for your joy. It is for your benefit. It is for your comfort, your encouragement, and your good to seek the Lord in a quiet hour. Hey, and I'm not saying that you got to get up you got to get up late or stay up late or, or get up early. Carve out time for that quiet time with the Lord. And if I'm honest, I'm doing a terrible job, an absolutely terrible job at this myself. The, the reason I don't get up early or, or stay up late has nothing to do with my exhaustion. It has everything to do with my view of the Lord. Because my view is too small, but, but, but our God is far from small. We all have a desire to be heard, but we fail to realize that the God of the universe hears our prayers. He hears them. In, in Psalm 77.1, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. Jesus himself cries out to his people in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. Come to me, all who are labor, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Church, if it was good for Jesus, it'll be overwhelming for us. And on the heels of Jesus' encounter with God, here comes Peter. Oh, Peter. Man, Peter, sometimes. He, he says, Jesus, everyone is seeking you. Why? Because they wanted to be healed. And of course they want to see Jesus. Of course they do. But they're not seeking Jesus to know him. They are seek, they're not seeking Jesus to worship him. They are seeking Jesus to be healed and amused by him. And Jesus said, and, 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 and I'll be honest, this surprises me in some aspects, what, what, what Jesus says next. He said to them, let us go on to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out d- demons. So, so we as Americans would probably think, hey, let's capitalize on this popularity. This, this popularity is growing. We can capitalize on this. But Jesus is like, nah, I'm good. Like, Jesus is like anti-American culture. Sorry, but it's, you look at Jesus in the Bible. He's like, no, nope, let's go on to the next town. You see, Jesus came to heal, but his healing is penultimate to his preaching because Jesus came to preach. Why? Because the world needed his message, just like the world in 2019, more than ever, needs his message. Because and, and, and you look back at Mark 1.15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus' message is this. Repent from your sins because the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus came to preach the coming kingdom. And Peter later would recognize this in, in the book of John as something else. John 6, 68 through 69, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, 
To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, it's in Jesus' message that we have salvation. Jesus knew that his healings were child's play. And I'm not trying to undermine the healings of Jesus. They're incredible. But they were the fireworks of Gandalf. The world didn't need a healer. Just as in 2019, the world doesn't need a healer. The world needs a savior. The world needed a savior. And when you look at Jesus... Do you see the message of the gospel? Do you see the message of Jesus, the good news of repentance and salvation through Christ? Or do you see a religious figure, a miracle worker, or a good moral teacher? You see, Jesus' healings don't save because those people he healed, they're going to eventually die. But they point to a kingdom which exists without sickness and disease. It's Jesus' teaching, his message, and his cross which save. Church, I beg you, I plead with you to cling to those, to know those. Jesus came to preach the gospel of salvation, and this purpose shapes all other purposes so in closing we're going to look at the third story and purpose verse pick it up in verse 40 through 45 and the leper came to him imploring him and kneeling to him said to him if you will you can make me clean moved with pity he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him i will be clean and immediately the leprosy left him And he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. But was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. I'm going to pause real quick. Because, well, I've caught myself in a pickle. I am so sorry. I apologize for this. We're, we're going to get this mic stuff figured out. So, so here we have a man with leprosy, and the leprosy is a death sentence. It is a death sentence. Not just physically, but relationally. It is a death sentence. See, see, leprosy is going to cause your skin to fester, boil, and it's going to rot off your face. And it's also highly contagious. So, So Jewish law instituted protection from lepers. If you had leprosy, you were to be cast out of society. You were you were cast out of community. You lived outside the town. You couldn't talk to people, touch people, or be around people. It was the Old Testament equivalent to zombie movies. <laughs> but, but, but do you see what happened? Can, can you imagine the scene? Here, we have Jesus, the celebrity of the day, walking down the street, 
and the diseased man runs through the crowd. Can you imagine the horror on the disciples' On the disciples as this man moved with desperation, throws himself at Jesus saying, if you will, you can make me clean. You see, the leper never questioned, never questioned Jesus's ability. He questioned his willingness. And you can imagine the stillness in the air, in the area. Here we have the pure miracle working son of God and the lowest, most despicable, diseased facet of humanity. So how does Jesus respond? And Jesus reaches out his hand, touches the man. I'm sure at that point the disciples are like, this dude is crazy. This is contagious. But he reaches out, he touches the man. Probably the first touch he's felt in years. And he says, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. At this point, after everything we've seen so far in just this short amount of time, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be amazed at the healing. It should be no surprise to us that God does God-like things. The one who creates is the one who has complete authority over his creation. The authority of Jesus is the authority over all things everywhere. And this should not surprise us. But what should drive us to our knees in worship is the reason for Jesus' healing. Verse 41, moved with pity. Another word to put, moved with compassion. We have a high priest who is moved with compassion. Praise God for that. You see, unlike the gods of the Greek or the Roman mythology, our God does not rule with fear. Our God intervenes into humanity's diseases out of pity, out of compassion. That's what Jesus does. He doesn't see our hidden worth. Guess what? We ain't got none. He sees our wretchedness, and in compassion, he heals us through his son. The third purpose that Jesus came is Jesus came to cleanse. Let's look at what happens next. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. With the healings, Jesus healed. But with this disease, Jesus cleanses. And, and just look at the text and you see how many times the word cleanse or clean is used. And that's because for leprosy, according to the law, there were layers of purification rituals that one would have to do to be declared clean. To meet the requirement of the law, the one who was diseased must prove his restoration to the priest. And Jesus not only healed him, he cleansed him. So, so why is this miracle distinct from other healings? Because it is symbolic of our spiritual disease and Christ's perfect cleansing compassion. Let's look at Romans 8, 1-4. If you want to flip over to Romans 8 real quick. 
there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of his sinful flesh and for, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in this. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Through, through Jesus, this leper was made right in the eyes of the law. And through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we who were dead in the law received the full righteousness of the law through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. This is who Jesus is. This is his message. Repent. Believe the gospel. Be cleansed by the spotless Lamb of God. Let's again pick it back up in, in verse 43. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer, no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Worship team, you can come back up. Um, so we, we begin to see that the popularity of Jesus is growing to the point that he cannot even enter a town. Because people hear about him and they crowd him. And this guy's response is, it, it kind of tickles me in a way. Now I recognize that he's disobeying what the Lord has said to him. And, but, but he's like, man, I just can't not tell people. Because here's the thing. The redemption of Jesus gets out. It just gets out. And it, so, so, so remember I said back when that, that, that we were going to address that the Jesus doesn't permit the, the demons to talk. So, so why did Jesus not want anyone to talk about it? And, and many people, I've, I read a nauseating amount of commentaries while studying for this. Um, have de it's just debated. But, but I think it's for two reasons. First off. The people didn't yet know who Jesus was. The disciples barely knew at this point who Jesus was. They didn't see him rightly yet. In fact, in Mark's gospel, it's not until the centurion at the cross says, Surely this is the Son of God that we see a clear confession of Jesus. That's because the clearest picture we see of Jesus as he truly is, is Jesus on the cross. Not Jesus the healer, or even Jesus the preacher. Jesus of the cross. And then in, in the light of this lack of knowledge, Jesus didn't want people to know who he was. And the second reason is this, because his time had not yet come. You see, Jesus knew this newfound excitement over him was getting around. He knew it. And for obvious reasons, he knew he came to die, and, and, and here, right now in this text, nobody's going to want to see him die. Why? Because people love healers. People don't, want, don't have a problem with healers. They don't want to see a healer die. 
Jesus is not going to be tracked down and killed for being a healer. He would be tracked down and murdered for claiming to be God himself. This healer came so that he could die and be our Savior. And through his message, our wounds of sin are cleansed. Church, do you see this picture of Jesus? Do you see the purpose of a loving God intervening with a ruined creation to restore it? And do you seek that God? Do you seek that Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you aren't scared off by the disease of society, but th that you enter into with the purpose of restoring us. We thank you that you came to preach. We pray that, the me that your message of the gospel is heard in here this morning. Because the message of the gospel is, is ultimate over healing. Those who are healed still die. But those who believe in the gospel will never die. Lord, I pray that your message is clear. Lord, I pray that your power is clear and it forces us to respond, to be drawn to you, and to run to a willing and saving and loving Savior. It is in the most beautiful name that we pray. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.